Welcome to the 18th episode of Season 2 of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by the Chronicles sports enterprise reporter Ron Krojcik to discuss the news of the day. Golden State's plans to sign center Andrew Bogut. Bogut, who played four seasons for the Warriors and was a key rotation player for the 2014-15 championship team, is expected to join Golden State in a couple days once he receives a letter of clearance from the Australian team he currently plays for. The news of his addition might have initially surprised a lot of Warriors fans. It makes sense for a multitude of reasons. During my conversation with Ron, we went in-depth on each of them. We'll have my chat with Ron right after the break. Ron Krojcik is a sports enterprise reporter for the Chronicle and has written on the Warriors for many years. We sat down after practice Monday at Golden State's facility to examine exactly what Bogut's signing means for the back-to-back NBA champs. When you first heard that this was happening, Ron, what, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, I was surprised because um, obviously he sort of vanished from the radar a little bit playing in Australia and, and having left the NBA. Um, but it makes a lot of sense when you stop and think about it I and mean, when you think where the, these Warriors are vulnerable. They haven't been very good defensively this season, as you and I both know. Um, I think they rank 16th in the league in defensive rating, which is a, a drop from 11th last year and second the year before. Um, and they're particularly vulnerable against centers, against the big traditional centers. You know, Joel, Joel Embiid killed them in the first matchup with the 76ers, 26 points and 20 rebounds. Really had his way with DeMarcus Cousins, and especially when Cousins sat and Kevon Looney came in. Kevon Looney's just not big enough. I mean, Looney and Jordan Bell are sort of perfect 21st century new age centers, right? Mm-hmm. They guard a lot of positions. They're versatile. They're athletic. But they're just not big enough against some centers. And the Warriors wisely recognized they could see centers like that in the playoffs, both in the West to get to the finals, and then if they get to the finals in the East, as we talked about, several teams, Toronto with Gasol now, Philadelphia with Embiid, uh, Boston with Horford. There's a lot of teams, the Bucks with Lopez, even though he plays off and away from the basket, who are just too big for Looney and Bell to deal with. So this signing of Bogut makes a lot of sense in that it gives them insurance if Cousins gets hurt or gets in foul trouble and gives them a backup in certain situations, in certain matchups, to, to spell Cousins. Um, so if they play one of those big centers, Looney and Bell will probably stay on the bench, right. which, is, uh, which is, it makes sense that the Warriors are preparing for that possibility. Yeah, I think the reason this surprised a lot of people when the news broke about this was just because I think the average NBA fan or the average Warriors fan might have assumed that Andrew Bogut was retired from the NBA. Right. And I wouldn't blame them for, for thinking that. I mean, a lot of a lot of people aren't necessarily following what's happening in the Australian Basketball League. Right. Um, but what what he, he's done in the Australian Basketball League this season, and a little bit of background, that league is not one of the top overseas leagues. It's you know, nowhere near near the Euro League. It's, you know, a second tier league, but you know, he, he more than held his own. Um he played all thirty games. He averaged almost thirty eight minutes per game, about eleven a little over eleven points, a little over eleven rebounds, uh, over two blocks per game. And I, the most important thing is I think he showed the Warriors that he's healthy and you know he can he can play significant minutes if necessary and he's still doing a lot of the things that 
were his calling card in the NBA. You know, he's set, setting good screens. He's blocking shots. He he's never he's never known as a tremendous shot blocker, but he's definitely blocking shots in Australia, and he's uh, playing really solid positional defense. And that's really all they're asking for from him. They're not asking him to be some sort of game changer. Well, they're asking him to be seven feet to start, right? Yeah. And that's something that translates from Australia to the U.S. You're seven feet over there. You're seven feet here. And that's, you know, what's the John Wooden line? You can't teach height, right? right. The, the, guy's, the guy's got the size, and, and it's not a, a skinny seven feet. He's solid. Right. And he's smart. He's a smart guy. Um, I mean, that was my first question was, does he have anything left, right? He's 34 years old. He looked like he was starting to slow down even with the Warriors and certainly after he left the Warriors and bounced around from Cleveland to what, Toronto, or Cleveland to Dallas and the Lakers, excuse me. Um, so that, that's the obvious question was, does he have anything left in the tank? Um, and I don't think he does have a lot, is my guess, but the Warriors don't need a lot, mm-hmm. right? As we talked about, in a perfect scenario with Cousins healthy, they're looking at what, 10, 15 minutes out of Bogut? In certain matchups, even there, right. there'll be some matchups where they won't need him very much at all. He won't play every game, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think, given the sort of low needs and low risk involved, it, it really does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think this is just another example of why Bob Myers and Larry Harris and those guys are paid the big bucks, and why you know a lot of a lot of uh, armchair armchair pundits out there are only paying attention to the free agents on the market you know the guys on the buyout market and that type of thing but part of larry harris and bob myers and the whole front office job is to scour every possibility every option out there throughout the world throughout the country and i think that the fact that they have a relationship with bogut the fact that they know who he is as a person the fact that he has played alongside guys like Steph and Clay and Andre, some of the most important members of this team. Um, and I know for a fact that the Warriors, you know, approached those guys in the past few days and said, how would you feel about, you know, br- us bringing back Bogut? You know, we're looking into this. And every single one of those guys signed off on it. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting is I don't want to say he left the Warriors on bad terms, but I don't think he was stoked about how, you know, that situation unfolded. You know, he he had some quotes after he was traded to Dallas about how he felt like, you know, they weren't necessarily totally honest about their pursuit of Durant. Like, they felt like – he felt like they were actively planning on bringing Durant in the entire season leading up to it. And um, you wonder if that's water under the bridge or if that's going to resurface at any point. No, that's a good point. I mean, I think he did leave under less than ideal circumstances. Um, I think they were a little wary. I mean, I wasn't around the team every day, but from what I heard, they were a little uh, wary of maybe him getting older and maybe not being as tough as they thought he was. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a rugged player. The way he plays is kind of tough, but he's also, you know – He's not a he's a journeyman center in many ways. I mean, he's not a he's not a star by any means. And and to and I certainly don't want to mislead people into thinking this is going to solve all the Warriors' issues because it's not. Um, and it's interesting why they couldn't. Uh, I guess Robin Lopez wasn't made available on the buyout market. Um, I'm sure they would have preferred to find someone who's been a little more NBA tested this season. 
So in that sense, this was the best of the alternatives, right? This wasn't their number one choice. But once those options didn't materialize, then that's where they turn. And as you said, I think there probably would have been a lot more skepticism if you have to integrate a guy who's never played in this system, doesn't have any familiarity with Steve Kerr, and very importantly, doesn't have any familiarity with Curry and Thompson and those guys. And Bogut obviously does. I mean, one of my enduring memories of his time here is the way he set screens yeah. for Curry and Thompson, right? Yeah. And what could be more valuable on the offensive side than that? Um, but I think, and, and as I wrote in, in, in today for the, for the website and for tomorrow's print edition, this is mostly about defense. You know, everyone focuses, the casual fan, I think, focuses on offense and how it affects the ability to score points. But this is mostly about stopping the opponent from scoring points and stopping uh, a big center from bruising the Warriors in the playoffs. Yeah, for the Warriors, as we've talked about a million times, all that matters is the playoffs. And you need to think of, when you're planning and preparing for the playoffs, you need to think of every possibility, everything that can go wrong. And you look at, there aren't aren't too many glaring weaknesses with this roster right now, but one of the potential vulnerabilities is if you lose DeMarcus Cousins, as of right now, you're kind of screwed. You don't have another legitimate big man who can, you know, eat up space and and match the size of the Steven Adams and Rudy Gobert's of the world. As we talked about, you know, you look at their path to the finals, every single one of those teams that they could potentially face has a legitimate seven-footer. That was not the case a couple years ago. The league has kind of evolved in that way. Um, You know, you got Nurkic with Portland. You have Jokic with Denver. You have um, – Gobert, Steven Adams, obviously the East. All four of those teams are legitimate threats in the East, have legitimate – prototypical centers brooke lopez is a three-point shooter but he's also seven feet tall right and i think your point uh, is valid i think in many ways as much as the warriors maybe see bogut as spelling cousins in these matchups i think they're also kind of protecting themselves because knowing that cousins is still coming off an achilles injury and there's no guarantee at all i mean if you look at all the warriors players who's the most potentially prone to injury and prone's maybe not the right word but vulnerable to injury given what he's been through right. cousins is the answer to that right. question right so as you said the warriors are basically trying to protect it's an insurance policy right. if cousins gets hurt at least they have an option and then they would try to get by playing bogut 20 minutes a game and spotting looney and bell when the opposing big center is on the bench or something. And Damian Jones may not have played great, you know, when he was healthy this season. He struggled for a good month plus before he got injured. But just having that size and that right. length was was important. I don't think they feel the need necessarily to go out and get Bogut right now if you have a healthy Damian Jones. But right. Damian Jones is almost definitely out for the rest of the season he's got a pectoral injury he's definitely missing the rest of the regular season there's no point in bringing him back for the playoffs when you know he's got so much rust and he's hasn't had any contact work in a really long time so I think he they're gonna you know shut him down for the rest of the season so you know it's uh it's one of those things where on the surface it might look surprising but it makes so much sense when you really dig into it and um, you know, one thing that you and I talked about before practice, just hanging out in the hallway, was one thing that I think this is going to add is it, it just makes things interesting again. You know, you you saw them kind of 
delay the doldrums of the season for a while because of the return of DeMarcus that they're excited. They're playing with a renewed enthusiasm for a good, you know, month or so. And then right before the all-star break, they started kind of slipping back into bad habits and getting bored again. And I think you're still kind of seeing that. Um, but I think bringing back Bogut, even though he's not going to be a major rotation player, I think it makes things a little new, makes, makes things a little bit more exciting. And the fact that a lot of those key guys have, a rapport with him and the idea of bringing back a guy who they started this whole process with them and winning another title with him is just going to, you know, make things uh, less boring, which is important for this team. Yeah, I don't think that will be an issue once the playoffs arrive, but you're right in getting through these last 19 games. Um, there's no question they they played well once Cousins came back because that freshness, right, and that uh, stimulation, exhilaration, whatever word you want to use. Um, 82 games, I mean, this all reminds me of, of the fact that 82 games is just way too long. It's just too long a season, uh, and, and that's really what causes a lot of the over-speculation on the free agency in the summer. And there's just, it's just a long marathon of a grind, um, and, and the Warriors show that by having these ups and downs. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's human nature to get tired and to get distracted and to get you know, uh, bored to use your word. Um, and I think that's what's happened. And Bogut to some extent will, will address that. Um, although obviously again, he, uh, come back to being seven feet tall. That's the main attraction. I think, uh, you, you were around, uh, you've been around the, the Bay area much longer than I have. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you covered those warriors teams. Uh, you covered, uh, them for, I believe you covered them for that whole playoffs, his last playoffs with the team, right? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't the beat writer, obviously, but I was around during the postseason a lot and uh, and dealt with Bogut. And, uh, and, and, you know, he was obviously an integral part of the, that team and its personality. I mean, you know, smart and outspoken and funny. And uh, he fit. He it was an interesting fit with this with this group. Much better fit with Steve Kerr than Mark Jackson, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I guess just as someone who wasn't around then, didn't cover the team back then, what, what are some of your favorite memories of Bogut? Uh, you talked about the screen setting, but is there a specific game or play or, or anything like that that comes to mind? Yeah, not, no specific play. Um, I, I do remember a couple times him, um, I think even before Zaza, he had that sort of between-the-legs bounce pass to – yeah. to Curry so while he's setting a screen right and I do remember his screens you know he could screen three or four players you know normal sized human beings at once right. I mean he's a wide wide tall man um, but he's just much uh, he's, he's very quick witted and clever um, and I think that does matter I mean he's he's going to be able to uh, figure out the new wrinkles in the office going to be able to figure out how to play with Durant right who he hasn't played with before Right. which could be kind of awkward but i think the fact that he's smart and you know has a high basketball iq will be a factor in in uh, in accelerating that transition i mean that's again that i think explains why the warriors chose bogut over some other options because there's not a lot of time to integrate this new center right. you know he's going to have what 15 regular season games maybe and then the playoffs so the fact that he's already familiar with steph and clay and draymond um, and he's smart enough to figure out how to acclimate to Durant and the others, I think was a factor. Absolutely. So one kind of ancillary piece to all this uh, that's worth kind of getting into a little bit is 
obviously Bogut takes the final, the 15th and final guaranteed roster spot. It's so funny, the timing of things sometimes. I wrote uh, a story yesterday on Damian Lee and how he was kind of putting himself in a position to make a real case for that 15th spot. And, you know, I think the assumption is, okay, Bogut's taking that 15th spot, so obviously Lee won't get it, Lee being a two-way contract player who would need to get his contract converted into a guaranteed deal to be on the playoff roster uh, because there's just not going to be a roster spot. Um, But... That's not necessarily the case. The Warriors have until the day before the the final regular season game to make a decision with that spot. Um, And from what I'm hearing, you know, definitely adding Bogut hurts Damian Lee's chances. But Damian Lee looked pretty darn good in that Philly game. He gives them something that I think they need, which is bench scoring, especially along the wing. And then they've they've had some inconsistency from those other back-of-the-rotation guys, guys like Quinn Cook, Alfonso McKinney. Jonas Drebko. So I think it's plausible that the Warriors could end up deciding, you know what, we'd rather have Damian Lee in that scoring punch with us in the playoffs than maybe an Alfonso McKinney who has been banged up. He's he's banged up a little bit right now. Um, do you think? Do you th- see that as a real possibility, or am I just uh, imagining things? Well, I mean, I think what Bogut does is give you gives you more flexibility, right? Gives you more options. Uh, I mean, there's nobody else on the roster who has that size and that fills that role. Um, and in terms of the McKinney, Damian Lee, Jarebko quandary, it, you, you have time. Like you said, you've got a month, right? More than a month to make that decision. Um, who knows who gets hurt? Right. Um, I think that's the, the great unknown in all this. And, the, you know, one of the biggest threats to the Warriors reaching the finals again is, is, the, is the health question. If Steph rolls his ankle, right? Right. If Clay's knee resurfaces, if... Who knows? I mean, they've had a ver- variety of injury, minor injuries this year. You know, Duran, I guess, has probably been the healthiest, right? Um, but you have to be prepared for that possibility. And uh, and it seems like they, they have an abundance of options now between McKinney and Jarebko and, and Damian Lee. And they will make that decision when they have to, and they don't have to make it yet. Yeah, no, it's definitely nice having that flexibility. Um, but let's I, also remember that the bench is gonna, the rotation is gonna get shorter right. during the playoffs. So, so that's that's definitely a first world NBA problem. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a guy who probably won't play much in the playoffs, regardless. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, because you know, Steve said the other day in the past, you know, a couple years ago, he had at least a ten man rotation in the playoffs. Uh, last year, I think he went down to nine. This year, I could see it being eight nine on a good day you right. know right now you have the five starters you have uh andre Godala, sean livingston and um oh, and, and kavon looney right looney or bogut given right. on given the matchup right. and those are going to be your eight and then who's that ninth it could be quinn cook it could be jarebko it could be mckinney it could be Damian Lee, depending on if he's on the roster. So, um, like we said, you know, it's it's a first world NBA problem. But when you're trying to win a title, you need to think about all that stuff. Well, I think, and part of this is also knowing that anything short of a title is not acceptable, right? Right. Not just to fans, and not just to NBA analysts, but to the Warriors themselves. I mean, they've won three out of four. They've been to four consecutive finals. They know what the standard is. They set it. Right. So. What Bogut does is, you know, one one matchup in one series right. could make that difference. 
And even if it's just, I mean, Bogut could not play very much at all during the Western Conference playoffs and then suddenly take on a big role in the finals because they're going against Embiid and the Sixers. And if he makes a difference in one game, then it was worth it. Right. Because, like you said, all they care about is the playoffs and all they care about is winning their – they're going after a a unique piece of history here to win three in a row and four out of five. It just doesn't happen. And that's why, as I wrote last week, the fans who expect them to win every game are sort of ignoring history. And and part of the reason it's so hard – even if you have five all-stars, is you get tired. Right. And, you know, you've been to the postseason all this time. And, and you, you're you also the hunted, right? And you have everybody shooting for you and copying you and studying the way you play. So for the Warriors to be 44-19 is a bigger accomplishment than they get credit for, I think. Yeah, and Kerr knows as well as anyone that in the playoffs, it's all about matchups. Right. And those role guys can really make a difference, can swing – a playoff series you know Kerr had a couple moments in his career where he was a pivotal factor in the Bulls winning those games Andre obviously exactly. won finals MVP I I mean he's a role player but he's like the ultimate role player I'm talking more like those no yeah, but, guys. But, but, but he's not the first I mean you think of this team and you think of Curry and Thompson and Durant and Green right and I know Durant wasn't on that team but he's not he was a role player still in the context of that Warriors team and he in many ways was the difference in them turning that series around against Cleveland right. in 2015. So you're right. It doesn't, it's not just about the stars. It's not just about offense. It's about things like controlling the opposing center, setting screens, staying out of foul trouble, and Bogut gives them, a, again, an insurance policy at, at that position. So here I was waking up this morning thinking I was going to be writing about this big game that the Warriors have tomorrow, but suddenly that's not as big a deal because there's other news. But let's talk for a minute about you know the week they have ahead of them because they have some significant games. Obviously, they have Boston tomorrow. Uh, Boston, one of the best teams in the East um, with Kyrie and all that comes along with Kyrie. And then they, and a few days later, I believe Friday, they have Denver at home. And Denver is – you know, right there with the Warriors for the top seed in the West. So um, I guess my first question would just be, you know, do you think that tomorrow is going to be one of those situations where as media members we're all just analyzing every single interaction that Durant and Kyrie have, given all the speculation about those two going, you know, potentially to New York this summer together? I wouldn't. Um, uh because you just don't know, right? I mean, obviously they have that connection, and obviously it's a possibility that they uh, join forces in New York or or wherever. But um, I, I do think the 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 pursuit of another championship and the drama of the game is still the most relevant, compelling thing to me. Um, and there's time for that free. I mean, that free agency thing sort of hovers over. Yeah. everything right now as you and I both know but uh, the Celtics are a fascinating story in their own right right I mean here's a team that many expected to be even better than it's been right. has all this trend you know dazzling talent including Jalen Brown who played here at Cal and hasn't really reached its you know has, has struggled and is disappointed um, and they have a great coach and Brad Stevens who I just admire the hell out of him I mean I covered a game when he coached at Butler and they played at Stanford and just in the pregame press conference, postgame press conference, you can tell a lot of lot of 
qualities like Steve Kerr and the way he explains things. He just has his act together, and he's the smartest guy in the room without making you think he's the smartest guy. I mean, guy anyone that can bring Butler to two straight national title games, I mean, that's uh, pretty darn impressive. But there's also a unique ability, and this is, to me, one of the one of the most impressive things about Steve Kerr is that he's the smartest guy in the room, but he never makes you feel like he's the smartest guy in the room, right? He never holds that over anybody um, because that's, that's important. If, if you are smug and condescending in your intelligence, players will pick up on that. And that won't, I mean, the biggest part of coaching in many ways is connecting to your players. Right. And, and Kerr, and, and I surmise that Stevens is the same way, pull that off, and yet they're still smart yeah. enough to know the strings to pull and to know how to manage and balance um, being the boss and being the coach versus connecting with your players. So then looking ahead a little bit to Denver, um, do you think Denver is for real at all? I mean, I, I'm not even asking if, they, if you think they could push the Warriors in a seven-game series because I think the answer to that, as we all know, is probably no. But do you think that they could be a real threat – you know, to make it to the Western Conference Finals? And do you think that they are a team that could really push the Warriors seriously in a seven-game series in coming years? Well, uh, Nokic is a really good player. I mean, and not just in his scoring, but in his passing. Um, I mean, I love watching him play because of the way he plays. And to answer your question, part of what makes them so dangerous, I think, is the fact that they're looking at the one or two seed and thus home court advantage, which is a big deal. And it's a particularly big deal in altitude at Denver. You know, it's, it's a difficult place for visiting teams to play. Um, now, the Warriors made the finals last year without the number one seed, as we know. But I'm pretty sure all of them would have preferred to play game seven against the Rockets at home. Um, they kind of dodged one there, right? Um, so, yes, they're going to prioritize health over the number one seed, but they want the number one seed. So in many ways, Friday's game is more important than tomorrow's um, in, the, in the picture of setting yourself up for the playoffs. Um, I think I and certainly most NBA fans would be surprised if the Nuggets earn that number one seed ahead of the Warriors. But Friday's game will be a factor in that. I mean, I think it's tied or half a game. It's the Warriors' two losses last week kind of gave Denver a little life in that, in that chase. I'll say this. This Denver team is not last year's Houston team. Right. You know, last year's Houston team, you looked at what they were doing and you thought, oh, okay. You right. know, they're for real. They can really push the Warriors. Denver is a nice story. I think they're ahead of, you know, ex- they're exceeding expectations. They're, they're on their trajectory a little bit faster than a lot of people anticipated. And you know what's crazy about them is they're the youngest team in the league. They have a really nice young core. I think I think Jokic is only like twenty three, right. um, so they're going to be really good for a long time. I think they have a great coach and and Mike Malone, former Warriors assistant. Right. Um, so I could see them really pushing the Warriors, you know, as soon as maybe next season, but not quite yet. No, I agree with that. I think that's a fair assessment. But they're also dangerous, right? I mean, I I think that they would probably make opponents nervous in the playoffs because of their youth and because of their uh, explosive scoring and. Uh, the guard Murray is is Murray can get hot. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly not James Harden. Gary and, Harris. Yeah, I mean, and, and your point is valid. Is that last year's Rockets team's a little bit different, mostly because you've got two you know superstars in Harden and Chris Paul. Right. And Chris Paul's injury certainly was a factor in the. You outcome have D'Antoni, who's yeah, very he's, he's been through it all. So there's no question there. It's not last year's Houston team, but um, 
again, if, if they end up with the number one seed, that makes them a little more dangerous than they otherwise would be, in my view. Awesome, Ron. Well, I really appreciate you joining me as always. Always appreciate your analysis. And, you know, Ron has been turning out some great stuff on the Warriors beat this season. I know he's got some some awesome things in the works. So definitely be on the lookout for all those. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. I want to thank Ron for joining me on this week's podcast. Always great catching up with him and chatting Warriors. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.